0: The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. All right, uh, I'm back. Missed a day. Hey, it is what it is. I, uh, <laughs> business and uh, pleasure trip. I um, was in Miami for a couple of days. And I, I haven't been to, to Miami for, geez, has got to be six, seven years now. No, probably about six years, if I come to think about it. I, I used to go down with uh, uh, my wife when I lived in Florida. We would go down for a weekend from time to time. I haven't been down since. And I uh, was down there and uh, kind of checking and seeing the lay of the land. And uh, without a doubt, Miami has been hit and hit hard. Uh, due to the the economic downturn in, in COVID, areas that um, used to be extraordinarily vibrant. Uh, Lincoln Road was a road main shopping thoroughfare there, outdoors and restaurants and bars and shopping places. It was just alive all the time. It was just packed with people. Um, dead. It was depressing. depressing. There was just nobody there. and I'd, I'd say anywhere between 40 to 50% of the storefronts were empty. 40 to 50% were empty. Um, some of the swankier hotels uh, along Miami Beach shut down. Shut down the uh famous the Delano shut down and has reopened. Um so yeah there's a lot that still needs to be worked through. Um but again, uh, yeah, you know, we, we knew this, um, that we knew this is going to happen. Um, I, I don't know what's going to make this, get this to turn around. Um, we got the constant, uh, you know, noise all the time when it comes to COVID and the Delta variant and you are know, seeing the cases continue to rise. Um, again, I'm fully vaccinated, but I assume I'm going to get it again. I just assume I'm going to get it because everybody else has been fully vaccinated is getting it again and God willing, it, it goes easy like they say it's going to do, but I, I don't really trust much of what we're being told at any point in time. Um, it just doesn't, nothing really adds up, so never had, never did add up, to kind of dealing with a situation where this is something we're going to have to live with. Something we're going to have to live with, something we're going to have to get past at some point in time. And they talking about COVID tests and people testing positive for COVID and then they're going to have to go into quarantine for what? Have we not learned that really can't stop this thing, can you? Have we not learned this? Actually, one of the countries that uh, is doing better than any other Sweden and once it decided not to, to lock down at all um again I, I think that it's again something we're going to have to deal with something we're gonna have to live with like the flu and again if, if you're someone that feels that you might be at risk and you want to double mask up that's your choice that's your choice I, I'm under the guys I'm just gonna let it rip Man, I just, I, it is, I don't care if I'm going to cry with Yankee stadium a week and a half ago place, pet people. I, I'm not wearing a mask. You want, that's fine. It's fine. But anyway, I had some, some observations uh, on my trip, things I pick up on uh, when I get out and about, I, I guess I need to get out and about a little bit more. I, I do live um, here in the North shore of long Island, a bit of a bubble. Uh, very much so, uh, a bubble. A um, lot of people that, yeah, for the most part, kind of like minded in our uh, attitudes and belief systems. But I, I have mentioned this before. Um, I, I, I'm at the I can't stand. I can't stand going to airports. Uh, I know it's but long-standing stand-up comedians would do jokes. I, I, I never the airports never really bothered me. Never did. I like to travel. I really do. I like to travel a lot always have and going to an airport always meant uh, this you know this type of excitement that one would have uh now i gotta be honest with you, it's just downright depressing it really is who the hell told you it was okay to wear your pajamas and your house slippers to a damn airport I, I, I equate it to the uh, the bar scene in the first Star Wars movie. There, the most Eisley cantina. I'm sorry, I don't want to be harsh, but it's a damn freak show. It really is. And, and I'm sorry, you get people there that that are morbidly obese. And they're wearing clothes that are akin to a bikini. Since when was that okay? Oh, uh, body positive. Uh, your body positive. Uh, it's it's brutal. It, it, it really is. It's you know <laughs> I kind of I kind of feel I, I I don't like getting aggravated or thinking this this way. I, I don't, but I I don't know how you how you could not. I got a couple of stories I wanted to share with you as well. It's kind of funny. So observations. Again. Okay, this time I landed in JFK. A little bit of a, uh, luggage story at uh, Newark. So here again, this is again, domestic flight. Miami, JFK. Um, Delta. The Delta Terminal. I, I kid you not. The Delta Terminal at JFK is freaking ginormous. Huge. Do you you want to know how many belts they have for luggage? Two. Two belts for life. Massive terminal. Two belts. So you, you get down to the baggage claim having to have to walk basically five miles to get there through this inefficient terminal that was designed by an abjunct moron. But anyway, there, and then you, you take a look at where's my flight? And there's like a list. There's a list. And then you're not sure if it's your flight. Oh, it's Miami. But then all of the connecting flights that went along with that, you got to wait to make sure. Oh, Delta. Okay, this is ours. So I'm waiting. 15 minutes. Yeah, again, already got off the plane. Probably been about a half an hour or so since I got off the plane. At least 15 minutes goes by, half an hour goes by. Where the hell's our luggage? Where the hell's like? the this lawyer? Is, this is ridiculous. It's going on. Then all of a sudden, the belt stops, and you get over the announcement. Oh, it's, you know, jam, this, that, and I'm like, whatever. We turn around, turn around, we look at the other, the other, the, and I'm like, is that our bags? Is that our bags? I, I go to the, the people that are just standing there, the, 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 the so-called employees. That's what they call themselves. you are obviously getting paid. I'm like, you told everybody the wrong thing. You want to do something about it? They point me in a direction, go over there, and tell them over there. I'm like, you're the customer freaking service here. So basically, I yell out to everybody that's around the belt there. I'm like, hello, everybody came in from Miami. Your luggage is not on this one. It's on that one. You feel like at at times, you're living in that movie, Idiocracy, where you just have people that that are just so freaking brain dead, So freaking brave, they don't give a damn. They don't give a damn about their job, what they're doing. They need to go in there, collect a paycheck, and get the hell home. And obviously these are Delta employees, right? There's no illegals here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to get some backlash in this. I'm getting on the illegal bandwagon. I want to trade all of these schmucks. Who can't do their damn job right. I want to get some illegals here. Get them, make them citizens and give them a job because they're going to do it better. I'm so damn sick and tired of incompetence. It's, it, it's beyond a pale. Nobody, three employees I spoke to, none of them would do a damn thing. Well, you want to let everybody know that their luggage that you're saying they're waiting for in this lot, uh, carrier is supposed to be over there. None of them would do a damn thing. I got a couple of this with this one too. So we're standing there waiting. Stand there waiting them with friends of ours. And this kid, this kid's, you know, he's, he flew in from LAX. Really loud, kind of boisterous kid and complaining. Luggage is taking too long and he's dropping the F-bomb every two seconds. And he starts a conversation up with us. And, you know, saying, ah, yeah, moving to the lower east side. I just graduated, came back, graduated from, I think it was NYU. And I want a job in finance. And he's dropping, he's swearing every two words. And my buddy was there, you know, all right, fine. I to talk to this guy pointed to me. and He's in that business. And he's like, oh, really? And I'm like, get this kid, get this kid away from me. The way he was speaking, the way he was talking, talking all right, give me a job. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's exactly what I want. I want someone speaking to speak into my clients the way that you are speaking to us. You don't even know us. Hey, that's not okay, kids. Okay? It's not okay. You're going to run into people out there, I, I, and you're going to speak like this. How are you going to ever get a job? I, I, you're... <laughs> I, I got 30-some-odd years. You're going to be somewhat respectful in the way that you speak to someone? Yeah, I'm, I'm signing you up. I'm going to hire you. Get the hell out of here for crying out loud. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, actually, there was a story. I got to move on. Actually, stay here. Um, there was a, a Lance Murrow uh, piece op-ed in the Wall Street Journal a day or two ago. Um. Stupidity. Stupidity is always amazing, no matter how used to it you become. Um, I- I'm sorry, again, I-, I don't like it, but it's-, it's there. How many people out there, you, you just, again, you, how-, how are people this vapid? What's that line about uh, <laughs> pornography? I-, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it, Right? We are living in the golden age of stupidity. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, we see it everywhere. It surrounds us all the time. And again, I, I, I don't know everything. I mean, how many times you're watching a television show, you're watching a news story. Let's use Afghanistan, for example. And you're saying, so how stupid can these people be? And I remember I was lying. She's uh, back when you were a kid. Back when you were, you were a kid, uh, there would be, you know, somebody would say, you know, um, let's see if you could do it better. All right. You'd keep playing. But you can't do it better. Yeah, I know I can do it better. How many people get that feeling out there? you watch what's going on and you know, you say, wait a second, I'm smarter than these people. I'm smarter than these Ivy League schmucks. I'm more practical these people than these people. I've been saying that for years here on the program. We need more small business owners in government, in roles in government, not these people that have never, never had to sign the front of a check in their entire lives, how to come up with a marketing plan, how to run anything, handle problems. Yeah, it, it, it is. We are in the golden age of stupidity. And again, you can look—you can look no further than Washington D.C., our military, Afghanistan. I, I you know, made this this point. This uh, we went talking about this uh, when I was away. Is that you know? It's amazing. It's amazing. We, we constantly talk about all this money that we spend on education. And it was actually sent to me, uh, one of my, my listeners, uh, John Stossel did a bit on charter schools and how well they're doing and, and charter schools do well because again, the parents are sending their kids to the charter schools that might happen to live in some rougher neighborhoods or getting them out of the schools where the school teachers are distracted with the kids who have parents and don't give a shit. Okay. That's great. You want to get those kids out and get them an environment where they're going to actually be able to, to learn. I get all that. But we continue to spend more and more and more on education. I think in the piece that he did, he laid out how much more we were paying. You take a look at test scores and outcomes, it gets worse and worse. And these schools, I mean, it's actually worse than it is because they continue to lower the standards. They continue to lower the bar again and again and again. And I can make the same comparison, and again, I don't want to tick people off, but Again, you want to counter me? You want to argue with me this point? That we spend more and more and more, which we do. Every year, the military budget continues to go up. Yet, do, do we have better outcomes? Do we, have better, do, do we, do we win anything? What, what have we won? Huh? All right, again, take a look. United States military budget greater than the next six countries below us and spending combined. Yet we can't win against, you know, basic uneducated people living in caves off guns that they got back in the, uh, the 1980s when they were fighting the Soviets. They end up beating us. They end up outsmarting our best and brightest. Get it more money, worse outcome. Anyway, um, there was an interesting piece here. And we're going to, I'm not going to spend, I know we've been spending a lot of time on foreign policy here on the program. Um, I'm going to try to do a little bit every day to try to break down what's been going on. Because again, this is important too. It's important. It's important that everybody learn what's going on. So again, you can make good arguments, you can explain to your kids and your grandkids, and hopefully they'll learn and we won't continue to do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. After the, um, it's authored by uh, James Bovard, uh, after the U.S. invasion in 2001, we spent, we the people, taxpayers in the United States, spent more than $600 million to support elections and democratic procedures in Afghanistan. Yep. six. Hundred million again, you'd see the soft and cuddly stories on TV. Uh, We'd be patting ourselves on the back. All the politicians in Washington bragging about what was going on. In two thousand two and two thousand three, when Afghan tribal councils gathered to write a new constitution, the U.S. government gave bribes to delegates who supported Washington's preferred stance on human rights and women's rights. And we weren't told this. So, oh, yeah, you wanna, we want you to see things. We want you to do things the way we do things here in the United States. We don't want to do that. Well, here, we'll pay you. We'll pay you. George W. Bush. And again, stop for a second. This goes to the golden age of stupidity. OK, Golden Age of stupidity. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to focus on the right media. Turn on Sean Hannity's program. He's showing the same clips of Biden a couple weeks uh, from a couple weeks ago again and again and again. Why not break down the failure going all the way back from the beginning, Sean? We all know Biden is just out to lunch. OK, we, we got that. But why not break down screw up after screw up after screw up? From the guys that you push for. And I freely admit, I voted for him too. George W. Bush boasted in 2004, Afghanistan has now got a constitution which talks about freedom of religion and talks about women's rights. Democracy is flourishing. Though Bush's re-election campaign speeches were larded with such lines, women in many parts of Afghanistan continue to be oppressed even worse than characters in American country music songs. One international aid worker commented that during the Taliban era, if a woman went to market and showed an inch of flesh, she would have been flogged. Now she's raped. Hamid Karzai, remember him? We had him, oh, yeah, it was the State of the Union dress. Oh, look at how distinguished he is. Look at his clothes. Yeah, smooth operator. He was installed by the Bush administration. Won a a rigged, rigged 2004 presidential election. Hamid Karzai, yes, the very smooth, debonair gentleman from Afghanistan, he approved a law. He approved a law that entitled a husband to starve his wife if she refused his sexual demands. During his 2008 presidential campaign, Obama labeled the conflict in Afghanistan the right war. By the time Obama took office, the Taliban were vigorously reviving and Afghans were shunning the corrupt puppet regime that the United States installed in 2002. President Obama justified the 2009 troop surge in Afghanistan to bolster its democracy. When Obama spoke to the Veterans of Foreign Wars Convention in August 2009, he boasted that our troops are helping to secure polling places for this week's election so that Afghans can choose the future that they want. You want the reality of what happened? Obama sent American soldiers to serve as bodyguards for Karzai's minions to steal the election. At first glance, Karzai won a narrow victory. But two weeks after the election, the New York Times reported that Karzai's operatives set up as much as 800 fictitious polling sites. And guess what happened at those fictitious polling sites. Nobody voted, but hundreds of thousands of ballots were still recorded toward the president's reelection. And some of the Afghan promises pro Karzai ballots outnumbered actual voters by tenfold. Peter Galbraith, the senior United Nations official in Afghanistan, was fired after he estimated that a third of Karzai's votes were bogus. Galbraith wrote, no amount of spin could obscure the fact that we spent upwards of $200 million on an election that has been a total fiasco, which handed the Taliban its greatest strategic victory. Despite all this, hey, it's Karzai. Obama praised Karzai, won fair and square. The Obama administration tells Congress the decision to send more troops to Afghanistan depended on the Afghan government's ability for, to hold credible elections. Among other tests, after the 2009 Afghan election turned into a sham, Obama decided it was close enough for government work to democracy. Thanks to Obama's surge, 1,400 American soldiers died in part to propagate the mirage of Afghan democracy. Afghan officials conspired for more than 15 years to both multiply and ignore election fraud. As early as 2009, U.S. Admiral Mike Mullen, then chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, warned that the result was that the Afghan government's legitimacy, at best in question, is, in, is at best in question right now and at worst doesn't exist. An analysis by the U.S. Agency for International Development. Of the 2014 Afghan election noted that several prominent election officials associated with fraud during past elections were promoted or given ministerial appointments. I mean, guys, I, I can go on and on and on and on and on. Again, a great piece by James Bovard. Th- this is what we've been doing for 20 years. And again, media go right along with this. Oh yeah. This is great. Yeah, Team America World Premise. Police, democracy, yeah, rah, rah. Listen, um, hopefully, hopefully, and the reason why I keep pushing this, keep talking about this, hopefully that we're able to, we're able to actually learn this. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week. I, I, I know I talked about uh, the film. It came out um, four or five years ago. It was a uh, Brad Pitt movie. Uh, it was called War Machine. It was on Netflix. And it was kind of a parody slash true kind of emulating Stanley McChrystal and uh, what they did and what he learned, well, what maybe he didn't learn in, in Afghanistan, what the, the folly of the entire adventure and how all of these Harvard business school McKinsey types trying to you know incorporate this into strategy, just how ridiculous they are. I highly recommend that, checking out that movie, it's War Machine on Netflix. Um, I was thinking about that when I saw 90 retired generals pen scathing letter calling for Austin and Miley to resign immediately. I mean, again, that's, that's great. But what did you guys do? do, do we, I mean, is there any living generals out there that have won anything? Any at all? I saw this as well, um, the, the, the actual, the, the nonsense that took place in regards to Bagram Air Base. Oh, there's other things about this. People are you know, like, why would we do that? Why would we get away? It was even worse than that. We didn't even tell the Afghans that we were getting out. And all the Afghan military that were patrolling the area, protecting the base, they couldn't believe it that they left. There's stories coming out now that everybody felt like, who are these people? They just completely abandoned us. They left and they quit. We lost all credibility for all of those people that were protecting that base at that point in time. And now you see the back and forth between the Biden administration and the Pentagon. Whoa, we were only allowed it. We had to make a difficult choice here. Um, yeah, I didn't have any choice in the matter. We had to protect how we had to protect the embassy. You didn't protect the embassy, did you? Did you protect the embassy? Because we don't have an embassy. We're out of there. So um, you failed in that mission, right? You almost look at this stuff and, and you, you start to think maybe this cluster blank, maybe this cluster blank, okay, FUBAR, uh, whatever you want to call it, was by design. At some point, it, it, you start looking at it and said, maybe these people are just, maybe this was by design. Anyway. Um, Bernie Sanders changed direction a little bit here. Um, he was uh, they're talking about Bernie Sa- Bernie Sanders going to red states and holding rallies, holding rallies for the three point five trillion dollar budget proposal and also the trillion dollar plus infrastructure plan. And again, uh, Biden Sanders Sanders out there talking about uh, the awful. Um, america's billionaire class which is refusing to pay its fair share of taxes and i quote we are living in a nation where the people on top are doing phenomenally well they have so much money they don't even know what to do with it and now some of them are off in outer space spending their billions well we think maybe it might be a good idea before you go off to outer space to start paying attention to the struggles of working families on the ground those working families, the ones that aren't working at the airport that I had to deal with? I, I, again, I, I, again you, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to rise up. You call them dead-end jobs, okay, if you act like you have a dead-end job. I know that made that perfectly clear here on the program. No such thing as a dead-end job. It's a dead-end job if you turn it into a dead-end job. How many people are inquiring, uh, encountering people that are dead-end Workers in these jobs. The reality is that um, we've got 700 and what's the number? 724 billionaires in the country. That's, a, that's according to the Forbes list. Journal put this out today that the Forbes list came out in um, April. Um, their collective net worth is $4.4 4 that's at that point in time. Again, stock markets, up, they're probably worth more. But you have to take a look at this. The, uh, the Biden infrastructure plan includes $550 billion in new spending. The overall bill around a trillion. Sanders' budget, $3.5 trillion. But if you actually look to the CBO and the people that are you know, talking about it, it's anywhere between 5 to $5.5 So, Technically, Bernie, you know, you want these billionaires to pay for this. Uh, Sanders have to go out. Again, Journal mentioned this today in one of their, their pieces. I've talked about this before, just numbers. You have to take it all. You have to take all of Jeff Bezos's net worth, his rocket ships. You gotta go get Elon Musk and all of his stuff. You gotta go collect Larry Ellison's boat. You gotta go after the Oprah you got to take all of Ted Turner's ranch land all over. We can go on and on and on. You're going to have to get it all. You're going to have to get it all. And guess what? It wouldn't be enough to pay for this. It wouldn't be enough. Again, domestic policy issues... Um, that we continue to talk about here on the program, some of the the ridiculous things that we continue to see coming out. What was it, AOC and those types out there. Did you see this too? Urging Biden to replace the Fed chair with someone focused on climate change and racial justice. Now, again, the Fed chair is basically a political hack at this point in time. And again, I, I actually think that Jay Powell is scared. I'd be scared too. I would. I'd be scared, too. I don't tell you kind of how frightening this would be if I was the, the fed chair. Do you remember, again, I, uh, sub-reference here a little bit, the movie Ghostbusters? Remember when they were first talking about the, um, the, the packs, the, little, the, the equipment that they used the, uh, to c- catch the ghosts, and then they put them into this little trap that drew them down? Do you remember early on in the movie, was it Egon who, who said, don't cross the streams, that would be bad? Don't do that, that would be bad. Base didn't know what could happen, but knew it would be bad. Then at the end of the movie, they end up having to cross the streams to get the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Again, great, great movie. But anyway, anyway neither here nor there. Um, if, if the Fed tried to normalize rates or do anything to normalize rates, that's akin to crossing streams at this point in time. I, I don't know what would happen. I don't. I know. Again, another movie reference I've used before, Black Hole, movie to Black Hole. What's on the other side of Black Hole? I don't know. I don't know, but I I don't think it would be good. I think it would be bad at this point in time because we're just out of control. I don't know how you pull back. But anyway, um, Aok, Taleb, Presley, um, all of these idiots, all these idiots in Washington, D.C. Again, You know you live in a wonderful country. You live in a great country. When people this dumb could be in charge of things. But yeah, they want the Fed, they want to replace the Fed chair with someone focused on climate change. Climate change and racial justice. I, I, I want to ask AOC if, um, I don't know, we should go into, you know what, we should replace the, um, the chief of surgery at. I know, maybe one of the hospitals with somebody that is uh, more focused on climate change and racial justice. Maybe every position out there, we should check, make sure because, you know, that's what's really important, right? And you talk about new golden era of stupidity, golden era of stupidity. Any people out there that support these fools, okay, you're a part of that. OK, I know I'm not I don't mean to be insulting. All I'm asked to do is come on, take a couple steps back and think for a second. The Federal Reserve focusing on climate change and racial justice. Anyway. Um, thank God. And so far, you know, so far we haven't seen the issues that we had uh, with Hurricane Ida in regards to Hurricane Katrina. Remember, Hurricane Katrina, it was the flooding after the fact that caused the problems. Um, the infrastructure build-outs that have taken place over the past uh, several years seem to have worked. The, the Army Corps of Engineers, I was looking at uh, some of these numbers here, um, the, re- the, the pumping stations are reinforced to withstand 205 mile-per-hour winds. And they put in uh, various different power systems and redundant power systems to operate if the electric grid failed, uh, which it did. And they've been able to handle it. Now, some of the outlying areas, yes, they've been flooded. But so far, you know, thank God, it, 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 we haven't had that type of water and flooding that took place in the past. And we can hope that that continues. Again, what do we learn from this? We spend money on infrastructure the right way. And this is what you get. Right? This is what you get. This is smart. The only issue, you know, that I, I've been talking about this for a while and I, I just can't seem to understand it. They talk about the electric grid failing. Um, this, I almost have to believe, it has to be some sort of racket. Has to be some sort of racket. Uh, I know it's going to cost money, but bury the damn power lines. Let's just be honest. Here. If, the, if the power lines were buried in California, some of these major fires that we've seen over the past couple years wouldn't have happened. If the power lines were buried in New Orleans, would we have the catastrophic failure that we have right now? If the power lines were buried where I lived, I didn't, wouldn't have had to go out and spend money on a generator for my house. It's just common sense. And again, they talk about infrastructure spend. I, you know... Might want to invest in that, in protecting the power grid. Not to mention the fact, okay? Think about this this way, okay? You think about the power grid being down and they want to electrify, want everybody having electric cars. How would that work out right now? I mean, isn't that, it has to be a part. You want everybody to be driving electric cars, correct? You want everybody heading in that direction, you want everybody driving electric cars. What if the electricity goes off? Then what? Then what? How, how are you going to get around? How are you going to get around? How are you gonna the ambulance is gonna work? All, all the the things that are involved with this. Right, plug them into generators. How many generators are you gonna need to have? Anyway, have a good day, everybody. Watchdog on wallstreet.com. Watchdog on wallstreet.com. We'll see you.